Welcome to More Than a Scar Podcast. I'm your host, Janine, where we explore what it means to have a cleft palate or other craniofacial difference and how we can live our best life. It may be one of the most common birth defects, but very few people really understand what life is like for us. Please comment and take part in the discussion. You can visit my blog, morethanascar.blogspot.com and feel free to email with comments and suggestions at janinedeckard at gmail.com How do I keep it all organized? After you find out you're pregnant, time management is the last thing you ever think about. I surely didn't have a clue what life would be like and I was born with a bilateral cleft lip and palate. Once the doctor told me about all the prenatal appointments And then I had to start thinking about plastic surgeons and speech therapists, and the list goes on. I felt overwhelmed. Here are a few helpful tips I learned along the way. My calendar. See, my secret to success has always been a calendar that I carry with me. I love planners, especially the fun ones with stickers and cute colors. I never leave home without it. This has been so helpful for many reasons. I have all of my doctor's numbers and addresses and appointments in one place. I can be sure to schedule an appointment far out without interfering with another part of my life. I used to carry a three-ring binder with all of the medical paperwork, and then we moved a bunch of times and changed doctors and lost things in the move, and it was just too much. I found after a few years that most of the paperwork was unnecessary. Other doctors hardly ever want to see other doctors' paperwork. They want everything sent digitally, or way back then, faxed. Even then, they rarely look at it. So I stopped killing myself with schlepping everything that I was ever given. And after 17 years, I've forgotten dates of surgeries and procedures and doctors' names. It really doesn't matter. I do my best, but I'm sure that if I needed to find paperwork, I could access it via email today. Save only what you need. Each doctor has their own way of doing things. Patients and parents rarely ever have much of a say on how things proceed. I can say, oh, well, this doctor told me this and this, and they'll just smile and nod and do their own thing anyway. If you change doctors, realize you are most likely going to experience a completely different level of care. Don't forget to write everything down. If you think you'll remember, you're wrong. And remember that how you word your questions matter. Like, if you're asking an emotional health-based question to a surgeon, you're barking up the wrong tree. Make sure that the questions that you have pertain to the person you're asking it to. And I left a notepad by the side of my bed because that's when the questions typically flood in. The time for questions is always. Refer to your planner. Squeaky wheels get greased, am I right? If your doctor doesn't make time for questions, you need to be a bit bullish and raise your hand. Do not leave until you've had a chance to get your answers you need. This takes a bit of chutzpah, but it's your child's health. You are your child's best advocate. Medicine timing matters. I was very OCD about writing dosages and timing down. Between ibuprofen, antibiotics, Tylenol, codeine, you name it, I did write every time I gave medicine, and this was a lifesaver. My baby never really liked pain medicine, so I learned to wean as soon as normal behavior happened. 
I will share this difficult story with you. After the very first surgery, I was at home on the third day, and I will tell you now, the third day after any surgery is the hardest. The pain is typically at its peak. We were using codeine to help with pain. After the surgery, my baby hadn't learned to breathe through their mouth yet. We didn't know at the time that the sinuses were completely collapsed and non-functioning, but I digress. I hadn't slept in about three or four days myself due to all of the stress and constant medicine doses and feedings. My baby was about 10 weeks old at that time. I'd been holding down my baby's bottom lip so the air could flow properly. All the swelling and bruising, I just felt like this was the best option. My tiny child would gasp for air and I just couldn't handle it, so I stopped sleeping. I finally called our surgeon in tears and explained what was happening. He said calmly, Janine, you need to stop. Your baby will learn how to breathe if you let it happen. You also need to back off the pain meds. Not all the way, just a dose here and there. This way your baby won't be too drugged to learn how to breathe through this new way. And I'm calling your rabbi. And so he did. The next thing I knew, I had a string of amazing mothers and bubbies, grandmas, coming to hold my baby while I bathed and tried to sleep. My nerves were shot and I spent most of the time crying, but eventually I fell asleep. I tell this story because if I had known back then to back off of the medicine and, and had had a more definite plan to it, we wouldn't have struggled as much. Being organized and proactive has been my secret to getting through this with my wits. And it really is good to create a support system and ask for help. Community matters. You can do this alone, but if you don't have to, why would you? You aren't a superhero. When you get home from the hospital, you should not expect life to go smoothly. I canceled all of my outside activities. If possible, buy meals that can be frozen and saved for your time at home. If you can afford to have food delivered, do it. If your worship center has a meal train, take advantage of it. Your new job once you get home is to comfort, feed, and support your baby. You'll need to sleep when your baby sleeps. Sneak in a shower when you can, and cry when you need to. If you work outside of the home, check and see if your job has FMLA, which is the Family Medical Leave Act. You'll need to sign up for it in advance. You can't do it after the fact. It doesn't pay you, but it will protect your job while you're out. I would not trust a daycare to provide the level of care your baby will need. The exception would be if your child care provider is in-home and has experience providing care for a child post-op. I was very lucky that I did not have to work during my baby's surgeries. I cannot imagine the nightmare of expecting someone else to feed my hurting baby and love them through the pain. If possible, look for resources in your community that will meet your needs temporarily until your baby has fully recovered. In many cases, you can receive SSI for your infant, but sometimes it's a battle. It's worth it though. Just while you're maneuvering through the initial surgeries and care. The other option would be to work from home. There are many options for that. You could even deliver groceries while caring for your child. I wouldn't imagine it to be easy, but it would be more feasible than other options. I made the mistake of trying to provide childcare for my friend's children while I was helping my recovering child after the second or third surgery. 
This was the worst idea. It was just too much. Having three crying children and the instinct to care for my child over hers made the guilt soul-crushing. It helped the financial burden, but at the cost of my mental health. Parents push through the pain, but it isn't easy. And one thing I, I forgot to talk about in, in this was ECI, Early Childhood Intervention. Most children are covered and qualify for it from birth until the age of three. It is a lifesaver. If you have income issues, please look into ECI. It's really a wonderful program and will help with many things. And in most cases, they'll come to you. So you don't even have to take the baby out, which when it's around a surgery, that can be a big deal. I really hope that you'll take the time to email me, let me know what you think. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening to this episode of More Than a Scar. I hope you found it helpful and healing. I will do my best to upload new episodes each week. Please feel free to share it with a friend. We hope to spread awareness and education to those that need it most.